Hi, I'm Jay Farner, CEO of Quicken Loans. 30% of Americans who are planning home improvements of $5,000 or more will pay for those renovations with a high-interest credit card. That may not be a great idea. A better idea may be to take cash out of your home with a Quicken Loans 30-year fixed-rate mortgage. The rate today on our 30-year fixed-rate mortgage is 4.5%, APR 4.78%. Call us today at 800-QUICKEN or go to rocketmortgage.com. Rate subject to change. Pay 2% fee to receive this discounted rate. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender. License in all 50 states. NMLS number 30. Hello and welcome to Fair Game, the podcast with a firm focus on Irish sportswomen. Coming to you on the Headstuff Podcast Network. I'm Emily Glenn. And I'm Lane Buckley. For this, our 25th episode of the show, we're going to be meeting one of the most accomplished footballers to ever play the game. But before we do that, just a quick reminder of where you can find us. Check out headstuff.org for our full archive of episodes. And Fair Game is also available to subscribe on iTunes, Android, Stitcher and Spotify. If you enjoy the podcast, then do us a favour, rate and review it on your app of choice. It means sports fans like you can find out about us too. Sharing episode links on the likes of Twitter, Facebook and WhatsApp also goes a long way. So send it on to family, friends and clubmates who you think might enjoy it. Finally, follow us on Twitter at FairGameCast to stay up to speed on everything happening in women's sports on and off the field, home and abroad. So, as the old saying goes in football, backs win games, forwards decide by how much. Well, our guest today is testament to that. She's been at the defensive core of the most legendary team in Gaelic games for well over a decade, marking every marquee forward sent her way and consistently coming out on top. She's won a staggering 11 All-Ireland titles in the last 13 years, playing every single minute of each of those triumphant outings in Croke Park on the last Sunday in September. She's also picked up a staggering seven All-Stars in the process and was Players Player of the Year for 2016. Here to reflect on the rise of the Rebelettes, their relentless pursuit of success and looking to the future, it's the one and only Breed Stack. Thank you so much. Thanks, Vinny. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Breed, we know all great things in Gaelic games grow at grassroots level. So take us back to yours. What was your sporting life like as a young girl growing up in Rock Chapel? So um, I'm not sure if many people know where Rock Chapel is. It is very close to kind of near America, that direction. <laughs> um, it is the Straight across the pond. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when we were growing up, we just had um, Gaelic football and badminton. They were our two main sports and the bog. We were excellent at the at going to the bog at as well. At the bog. At the bog, yeah. It was just a summer thing every single year. Um, so you kind of got fairly hardened from that. Um, but got great tens as well, you know. Dad would have been the local headmaster and um, dad would have been very into um, football himself. So every single girl and boy in the school was given the opportunity to play football in school. Um, he developed a small um, patch of grass behind the school, turned it into um, like our big school field. And um, we all just played there, everyone together, the boys and the girls. And dad would come up and ref matches and he'd organise school leagues and everything and everyone played together it was just absolutely brilliant and like fellas would be taking the legs off you and you'd be burying lads with shoulders and <laughs> like it was just the stuff of dreams like it was just the best fun and I just look back on our childhood with such happy memories of all the sporting things that we did when we were smaller when I suppose came of age maybe about 12 and that we didn't have a ladies football team for our age category so we used to play with the boys so I played with the boys under 12s and under 14s and then a rule came in you weren't allowed to play with them under 16s our only option was to play with the junior Rock Chapel team and I suppose we kind of learned fairly fast how to be a bit tougher and there was no tears allowed and even though you were 12 you know Deirdre Riley would still take the head off you and <laughs> it, you just, it was just unbelievable and I think we just lived for football and we were younger we played extremely well extremely hard we trained constantly and in 1999 we won the club county then we went on and won the club munster and then we went on and won the club all ireland junior 
So the village nearly burned down that year after that <laughs> because we came home, the place went absolutely buck wild. Um, just bonfires and up in the back of a trailer and all the things that just make rural Ireland so fabulous. And then the following year, um, we went up intermediate and I suppose momentum is a brilliant thing and it just swung very well for us. They kept the whole team together. We celebrated so well that we bonded so so much better and like we were only 12 and 13, so we didn't have a clue what was going on. We were like, this is the best thing in the whole world. Um, drinking our Fanta, delighted with ourselves after a great weekend. And um, then the following year, we were up intermediate. We won the intermediate county, the intermediate Munster and the intermediate All-Ireland. And it was just the stuff of dreams, like to win and play with like your neighbours, your your cousins, your sisters, your your best friends. It was just unbelievable. Uh, we then went up senior with the club and um, I suppose the club football then um, got a lot, a lot harder. Um as I said, we were very, very rural, so it meant a lot of girls moved away for work. Um, a lot of girls maybe went travelling, and unfortunately, the club had to disband um, about nine years after that, but not before competing very well at senior and contesting maybe five county titles. Uh, we just came up against Dunamore, and sure, God bless us, Juliet Murphy broke our hearts <laughs> time and time again. So you got, you got quite a... You got a taste of success very very early on yeah. and then I suppose kind of going into the the cork underage setup yeah. kind of under 14 under 16 yeah that's it I suppose we didn't like we didn't think we were any great shakes or anything but you know um we all went for trials together so we all carpooled and we went up and sure we were having great crack in the car let alone you know whatever happened above and um we trialed and thankfully we made the cork under 14 team my first year minor um I got the opportunity to captain the minor team um which was just beyond my wildest dreams I suppose that was my first kind of real role of responsibility I suppose we had a fantastic team and everyone like just I suppose had been together since under 14 the majority of that under 14 team was our minor team and thankfully we were very successful who kind of of note from of, of the Cork players that we'd all know now who was on that team it was a very talented panel wasn't oh, it oh extremely like at that time there was myself Angela Walsh Narita Kelly Geraldine Flynn Sheila Burns who went on playing Cork a lot more there would have been Marie O'Neill who also went on playing Cork uh, Katrina Foley, Neve Cahan, all girls who went on and played Cork football with us. There was Breed and Rena, all these fantastic players. And we just developed such a bond when we were so young. And that bond never, never broke, thank God. And so. from there you went into the Cork Senior setup. Yeah. But you were coming from a panel that was stacked full of talent. Yeah. But you were kind of going into then the senior Cork setup with the likes of Juliet Murphy, Nola Cleary, Valerie Mulcahy. Was it daunting or did having that kind of experience with such a, a well stacked team kind of give you a bit yeah. of confidence? And myself and Rena, I remember, got called up to the senior team when we were under 16. And at that time, the senior team, it was all over the place. Trainings were very low attendance. You didn't really know who was going to be on the team bus when you got there. Um, you didn't know if you were going to be playing or what position you could. Or, like You were always playing beside different people. Um, so it was you know, um, very unsettling that time. But in 2004, Mary Collins came in. So Mary Collins would have been from my local club. And she would have set up Rock Chapel Ladies Football as well and would have been a great footballer herself in the day. Having her as manager, I think, maybe made um, a few of the Rock Chapel girls transition a lot easier. Like, she's so straight shooting, like, she just tells it as it is, but she's extremely kind, extremely dedicated, and generous with her time. And she was a great settling force in getting us, I suppose, settled and to work extremely hard and to never take anything for granted. Um, I suppose at that time, as I was saying, I was playing um, 
uh, club football with so many great players like the Rileys. All of them came onto the Cork um, senior team as well at that time. So there was a great, like I already started the Cork senior team with a great base of friends. Um, and then to come onto the team and see the likes of Juliet Murphy and Nolly Cleary and Valerie and all these players that I looked up to for the longest time, to then get the chance to play with them was just, you know, out of my wildest dreams. Like, um, And as I said, I looked up to Juliet probably so much because we had played them so many times at Dunamore and she bait us so many times you know I was just like oh my god to get the chance to play with her and to see how she how she is the leader that she is um, was just brilliant and as I said then coming as well from the minors like playing with Angela and Breege and Rena, it was seamless Speaking of leaders Eamon Ryan has by now become one of the most revered names in Gaelic games his yeah. name is synonymous with, with success but do you remember the first time you met him your, your first impression of him that yeah. first night of training um, it was actually down in Dunhamore pitch I'll never forget it um, it was um, Mary Collins came into the dressing room and introduced us to this um, older gentleman sitting in the corner and he was kind of thrown half always like and just introduced himself we didn't know anything about him he just said that he was going to come on board for a couple of weeks and see what we were about and if he could help us out a bit and lo and behold it's like geez, 12 years later <laughs> he was still <laughs> hanging around with us and we were forever forever debted to him like yeah now 2004 we're going to jump forward a little bit. It was a year of breakthroughs and heartbreaks for Cork. It you was, reached yeah. a league final for the first time, but did. losing it to Mayo. And winning the Munster, Munster title for the first time, again, losing to Mayo in the All-Ireland quarterfinal. But did it feel to you guys in the team like something special was brewing? My experience of senior before that would have been getting beaten um, very strongly, not having a great bond in the team. And um, I suppose just uncertainty and kind of it was a case of show up and you got played. Whereas this was a whole new breed. Eamon came in. He didn't have any ties with anyone. And I think that was so important. And he literally just went on. If you were the best player on the day, if you were the best player at training, didn't care what club you were from, there was no agenda with him. And I think everyone bought into that and bought into his um, implementation of the basic skills. And if you practice the basic skills anyone can get fit but if you practice your skills that you know you would get stronger you would get to be a better footballer and that he wanted us to be footballers essentially first and then try to make us um, more athletic um, people and I, s- I suppose kind of context at the time breed Mayo were the dominant force they were. In, in football oh my god like look back on that team like the the Heffernans you know Diana Hora like Cora um Fiona McHale, I think I actually was on that minor panel that we played and beat in the minor final. Um, so like she was already there and she must have been extremely young at that time. Um, like all these fantastic players and they were just so balanced and so dominant. Um, they'd, they'd four All-Irelands in the space did. of five years. Did, did you ever yeah. kind of look over at them and say, that, that actually could be us? No, not even for one no. second. But I think like when you're coming in as maybe an 18-year-old, you're coming in and you are mad to run mad to play you don't have as much fear I think as when you're a bit older and um, there was a good gang of us that were in that under 18 group and there wasn't a fear there we just went out we just loved playing football and loved that we were playing with these people that we looked up to so much I, I do remember that league final against Mayo where we got beaten um, and then to get drawn against them after uh, winning our first Munster and to get drawn against them in the quarter was a huge challenge and I think we learned more in those two defeats that year than than we ever did you know in the 10 years um, previous that the Cork seniors had been kind of coming together and trying to put forward teams we had gotten a taste for championship and by God 
that we like it. You've spoken a little bit about the kind of ethos that Eamon Ryan instilled in the team. Yeah. Um, and the, the document of the dream becoming a reality. In 2005, um, there was a fateful pre-season meeting. Tell us about that. Yeah, so um, I suppose after we had lost... Um, to Mayo we came back and I suppose there was that meeting at the start of the year and it was just to see was everyone still on board how much did people want this and everyone like geez people were nearly foaming at the mouth like they just wanted so much to get back out training and to prove themselves and to say you know okay we've learned from this and we're, we're going to get better and stronger and to then come back in the following year and to win the league final so we won the league final against Galway I think it was that year and um, it went to a replay and I remember that I had trained really hard but I didn't make the starting team for the league final and I was ripping with myself I was just so mad it was just such a strong caliber player and um, I suppose we were young at that time but I still was I was really competitive and we went down to Limerick and I remember I came on as a sub um, and I came on wing forward and geez, I was like I've never played wing forward like and I remember I got dragged down for a penalty and I scored a point after that, I was like, I never want to not be on this team ever again because I just loved that day so much. And we won the league final. And then the quarterfinal, we were playing against Meath and myself and Neve Cahan. I remember I got started ahead of her and then I assured my place for the semi-final against Mayo. And if you could bottle a feeling like, um, I'll never forget Cueva Creedon kicking the equaliser. She's a player like she's been known for so long, like she's got the most unbelievable shimmy, like she'd put Sean Kevin at shame. Like. And then Julia came up the field and being the leader that she was, kicked the point and I just remember the massive pylon that happened in the middle of the field. I don't even know how the whistle had gone, but there was a massive pylon in the middle of the field and we were on our way to Croke Park. The first time Cork were, were in an All-Ireland yeah. final. That day would actually, little did we know that it would ultimately go on to shape the landscape of, of women's football for, for many years to come. Tell us everything about it. So that day, I suppose we started our routines and we obviously had never been in an All-Ireland senior final, but Eamon, just, I suppose just knowing the, the type of players that we were, he just organised everything down to the absolute T. So everyone knew exactly what was happening. Everything was kind of taken out of your control in that sense. So you just had to focus on the match. But I'll never forget, like he did a walk the morning of the match and so we stayed in the city west we walked kind of down the road and there's this little inlet little did we know we were going to be walking there for the next however long but we walked there and um every single one of the management had a little bit of a chat with us and that was basically the last time that but it was basically every year without fail was a thank you like it was just fabulous like so it didn't matter if you lost the game, it was just so nice and it was just a real bonding thing and everyone just, I suppose, thanked each other for getting this far and it was something that we've done for the last um, 12 years and it's something, you know, I just think, like, you, you just remember those things. I think you just remember um, being around with your, your best friends and everyone kind of looking at each other, thank each other and, you know, it was, it was lovely. And then when we got onto the bus, Eamon had asked Juliet to put together a compilation of songs so like obviously maybe he had his, his bit of a say as well like you know but um, one of the songs the very last song that we listened to before we got off the bus that day was Tommy Fleming's Don't Give Up Till It's Over and sure there were tears flowing down our eyes but um, we never forgot the last words of that and like even t you know up to last year like you know Tommy Fleming is a song we've listened to before we've 
gotten off the bus and I know some people like you know use Kanye to get excited (laughs) enough for match but no no we use Tommy Fleming and you know he does the job and geez your your heart to be bursting going out the bus the real Um, quirk national anthem is from Tommy Fleming yeah Yeah. they they wouldn't entertain the Dubliners version of it though it has to be Tommy (laughs) Fleming has to be be, yeah yeah in 2006 you had an unbeaten season that saw Cork ladies claim the league the Munster Championship and a second All-Ireland title over Armagh how did he stay grounded was it that kind of ethos for a Maimon line again or yeah. Or like how was it? Oh, 100%. Like I remember even in the 2005 All-Ireland, we were going in, we were such scared girls, like, you know, um, going out onto that field. I'll never forget, like, you know, looking up and the Galway girls had, I suppose, been there the year before also. And they were just very comfortable being there. Like, you know, they were the reigning champions. They were the reigning champions. They were very comfortable. Like, and I remember we came out watching the intermediate game for a little bit. I'd say I had my head in my hands for the whole thing. Like, I just couldn't. I was so nervous. And I remember just looking up and I saw a few of the Galway girls, you know, waving up at their parents. I, like, I was just in shock. I was like, my God, they're so comfortable. Like, we're going to really have our work cut out for us there. But I suppose we were just always a small bit afraid. Like, you know, this could be it. This could be like, if we lose, you know, what could happen? and older girls might move on so it was always a case of kind of living the now and in 2006 like Eamon will always say himself that he felt that we weren't as prepared on the day of the game as the year before you know in that game like we stumbled across the line a small bit because it was an extremely good Armagh team but we did uh, you know miss a lot of chances also we won it by a point and even the year that we had won, I think we had visited every village in Cork like, and we celebrated with them. So I think when you celebrate like that with someone and it wasn't a case of like we lost the count altogether, but it was a case of that we just appreciated where everyone came from so much. And I think you just, we furthered our, our bond. And I think when you've got a bond like that, that's so unbreakable. Like, you know, we really just kind of um, tried to grind it out, I suppose, the following year. Moving on to the following year again, one of, one of the most fabled achievements in Gaelic Games is, is the three in a row. Was it on your mind going into 2007? It wasn't because we were going in against Mayo. There was nothing else on our mind because we have had so many battles at Mayo up to that time. It was literally just another game and it could go anyway. Um, So we just knew we had to have our absolute best performance if we were to try to overcome a team of that calibre. I don't think three in a row was mentioned once in our dressing room. It was just Mayo. You got a knock in the hotel room the night before, though, didn't you? With this very special job from Indeed. management. Yeah, so Eamon, would just, he'd be no fuss at all. Like, And um, I suppose I had been playing centre-back all that year. And Cora was playing centre-forward on the Mayo team. I got a knock on the door anyway. Went out and Eamon was like, you're picking up Cora tomorrow. And he just turned and walked away. And sure. I was like, okay, nice. Sleep See well. Sleep well, Eamon, <laughs> yeah. But um, that was it. He just had such trust in us and I think he gave us such responsibility even from young ages um, that I think, you know, that's probably after standing to us for many years. You were champions for the third year in a row. You did get your three in a row. You yeah. Comprehensive five-point victory over the old enemy and you got the nod player of the match for keeping Cora locked out of the action. So not a bad day at the office. I got the nod but there was about six or seven of us marking her like you know so <laughs> there was there was no there was no reason for that award at all like you know I suppose we kind of had known at that stage the way that Mayo played and maybe they were a small bit reliant on Cora and Cora was such a fantastic player that she did probably take on a lot of the responsibility herself we knew if Cora was to get the ball that two or three of us had to kind of try to swarm and that's what happened every single time and there was great trust there and when she got past me there was somebody else there if she got past that player there was another person there and if she did everyone kind of funneled back and and worked together so it was a pure defensive unit and I think the six of us had been in those positions for I'd say maybe about easily four out of the five years anyway so we were well used to playing with each other and we knew when someone needed help and there was just great trust there. And that well-oiled machine carried over then in 2008 and you, you beat Monaghan to get to do four in a row. Yeah. 
and Jesus then on 2009 talk inevitably then turned to five in a row which like looking back to 2004 yeah. must have just seemed like an impossible dream you're kind of um, pinching yourself a small bit like how have we come this far in such a short space of time but every year I think Eamon was definitely like the glue I don't know if there was any other manager there would he have gotten as much out of us but Eamon was just the glue that kept everyone together he's such a level and grounded man himself he is so humble and modest in everything he does that he just I suppose he just maybe instilled that in us he also probably his famous line you know that you probably heard Breach saying is you know small heads and small arses will win games you know it's my favourite sports quote of all time oh yeah it's going to go down in the chronicles <laughs> but like it's true and it just rang true and I suppose he does have that lovely manner and lovely way about him he knows that we love the bit of crack too like you know so even just to say something like that the humour but the resounding you know message behind it stay grounded always and keep yourself fit and look after yourself on and off the field and the key point is like it's not you know for maybe casual observers they just thought that you were going out walloping teams putting put yeah. up huge scores but say 2009 for example the yeah. year that you won the fifth you only beat Dublin by a point that day and it was it That's was it. down to the wire it's just you, yeah. you just always had that means to carve out a win yeah I suppose and like even you know going on past 2009 look at how many matches have been won by the minimum like so it just goes to show the calibre of players that were there in other counties as well the bar was always being raised and um, which was brilliant for the game, you know, to come and see a match that was won by a point or two. That's the, they're the type of matches you want to go see. I suppose, like, it just goes back to probably the way that we were trained too. Like, I remember one time down to more, Eamon turned up, he was in bag year anyway. And um, I suppose we didn't really know why, but we knew that it was going to be a hard session. And we had dropped a couple of balls during the initial part of training and the balls were put away anyway. And we went off doing these things called the tree track runs. And I think for anyone, you know, that would have played Rakark in the last 12 years, those tree track runs were the most dreaded things that we ever did. That day anyway, we'd four of them and they were just absolute torturous stuff. You know, a lot of gritting the teeth had to happen that day. And then after that, we went back into another game situation. I think we dropped the ball another once or twice. And off we got brought down anyway to the line to do um, a beep test. And I, I remember all of us, we were literally now like so, so exhausted. And Juliet brought us in and she was just like, grit the teeth and let's just get this done. Even just something simple as that, by God, were we making sure that we did very well in that test. What was she like as a captain, Juliet Murphy? Yeah. Would she have you running through walls? Oh, running through walls. She was the most encouraging, encouraging person in the world. I think the fact as well she was older than us and we all had seen her playing growing up was another thing. We did all idolise her, like, you know. And then to meet her, to she's just such a kind, lovely, she's an extremely honest person. When sometimes, like, obviously, look, it's inevitable, sometimes training doesn't go well. By God, if there was a roar from Juliet, that was all you needed. She never ever roared or never ever discouraged anyone but if she did roar things needed to be upped and like she was just she was the full package she definitely was there was a change in tone the winds were changing in in 2010 we've heard from some players and management about how complacency was starting to creep into the court camp in the 2010 season what went wrong in the squad's mentality in your eyes like we came back in 2010 Our commitment was still there, but maybe there were a few other things that we were doing that we wouldn't have ever, ever done before. So, you know, little things like a one week holiday, maybe booked here, maybe, oh, I might go to that concert actually this year. Breege was away. She travelled to Australia. It's just something she always wanted to do. Um, I remember Angela was away for about maybe five or six weeks as well before that game. And while we still were committed, maybe we were doing a few things that we normally would never, ever have done. And I think that's fine if maybe it happens with one or two people. But when it happens with obviously maybe 10 or 11 people, you know, that all adds up. And I think that year everything added up. I suppose there was complacency. There had to have been if we were doing things like that that we would never, ever have done. Like, I don't think I've 
ever gone on a team holiday ever during a summer in the last 12 years. And there was a couple that went away that year. I suppose then like when you take the Tyrone game and you look at it as a game just on itself, everything that could have gone wrong on that game did go wrong. But the build up obviously didn't help proceedings either. Like on that day, there were two cruciate injuries and there were two sin binnings, myself included. We just could not get going. Maybe that was, you know, oh, maybe we'd missed a few hard trainings here and there. Players had been away, like you said, on holidays. All of it does add up. And unfortunately, we paid the price for it. I, I don't think that I've ever been in a dressing room as devastated as it was coming in after that. To see grown women crying, absolutely devastated beyond belief about sport, just showed how much it meant to us. It was just a very difficult day. But I suppose, look, you have to learn from that. And we learned so, so much about that. And going back to the year 2004 when we lost twice to Mayo, once you taste success, you want more and more of it. And in 2010, when we messed up by our own admissions, like it was all our own fault. It was literally everything fell on ourselves. So that was what, August, I suppose. Uh, and in December, we all came together at a meeting and Eamon, like that, put the onus back on us and asked us what did we want to do? Did we want to keep going or were we happy with our lot? And we left that meeting undecided. And then the following day, I suppose the 10 that had been there since 2005, we all rang around each other and it was a case of, you know, all or nothing. And every one of the 10 went back. Eamon came back. We went back training in January and there was no more to be talked about really. Like, you know, it was just a case of get back to the field and redeem ourselves. So you drew a line under it, just moved on. Yeah. And then that was it. You were wom- women on a mission to reclaim Ben yeah. Brendan oh, Martin we in 2011. Were, we were like women possessed in 2011. Jeez, oh, I, n- I don't think we ever trained as hard as we did. Like we've trained very, very hard over the years. My God, we ran ourselves ragged. And like Eamon... You know, if there was club games coming up, whatever, Eamon would always say, OK, we're going doing a bit of running there now. And the girls that are playing, you know, championship there now in the next couple of days, you sit out. There wasn't one person ever set out, ever. And I think that was the ethos from that day forward. No one ever set out running, ever. You got the trophy back at the end of the season. You beat Monaghan in the final. There was some, some celebrations that it night, I'd say. Oh, unbelievable. <laughs> oh, my God. We had to nearly tear up a few floors. Like, you know, it was just unbelievable stuff. And I suppose it was maybe we just felt that we had redeemed ourselves a small little bit. I suppose maybe we just felt on that day against Tyrone so much had gone wrong that, you know, nothing like that could happen again. Say people like us on, on the outside of it have... have constantly been fascinated by yeah. the ethos around that Cork team but there yeah. seems to be a really strong self-awareness of if something's not going right yeah you talk about it yeah oh constantly and yeah we, we kind of heard about that now through um Mary White's brilliant book that she yeah. wrote about the team Relentless in 2013 was another interesting season for Cork you went through the back door after being beaten in the Munster Championship and then kind of another one of those key turning points right what do we want and there's a story in the book about where you kind of got together in a prefab all, with all oh, yeah. written paragraphs yeah. what it means to be a Cork player yeah. and it's it actually just made me kind of so emotional reading it that, that yeah. you could be so aware of right we need to get we need to get our shit together yeah, then yeah. and just all get together tell us about that one that happened yeah in the farm in UCC we had all decided to meet early before training but um, Juliet led the meeting and basically she had asked maybe about eight nine of us to write a little piece just before we came to training she just stood at the top and read out everyone's one after another without pause without anyone saying absolutely anything inside the dressing room and I suppose to see that people have put their feelings and everything down on paper 
we would have been extremely open um I suppose with each other always but we never would have probably like I suppose stressed it to everyone else and some of the stuff that was written was extremely emotional stuff and um very close to people's homes and hearts um I think once she had read maybe the 10 of them um she just folded them up and she was just like look let's go out and train and my god there was some training session after that I'd say it's raw balling I would have been a wreck now 2014 was about fusing the old and the new for the Cork ladies team yeah and there were some absolute stalwarts of the game and there was an awful lot of new energy and new talent coming through the ranks fast forward a little bit 28th of September 2014 yes Croke Park 10 points down 15 minutes on the clock yeah discuss discuss please elaborate you're a teacher so we put it (laughs) in terms you'll understand um oh my god that day um our preparation for that match I might just leave the room for this bit by the way (laughs) as a Dublin supporter I know no you'll have you enjoyed this great ending (laughs) but um no oh my god that day so there was a few things went wrong um just at the hotel and things like that before we got going our guard escort um something happened anyway I don't think it turned up or it got blocked in or delayed or something anyway so we were kind of racing against time a small little bit we were late coming into Crow Park and you know we were just a bit unsettled um, I remember we did our warm up in the small warm up area inside there were people kind of maybe banging off each other things like that it's a very enclosed space um, but every single year we know the routine of it and we prepare our warm up in the weeks beforehand and we practice them and we know exactly where everyone was supposed to be but that day you know our warm up didn't go well then we went out onto the field and our uh, field warm ups did not go to plan we must have dropped about five or six seven balls maybe in that so everyone was really, really like on edge. And I remember even I think I was tying my lace when the ball was thrown in. Like I think we just weren't ourselves at all. So the ball was thrown in anyway. And before we know it, Lindsay Pete had a goal. We were chasing, chasing mad. Um, we were down, I think it was six points or something like that at half time. Things just had not gone to plan at all. And it was the first time we kind of were like, we're trying our best, but it wasn't coming off. And I remember we went into the dressing room Um, we all just took a deep breath and just had to calm down because I think our adrenaline was nearly through the roof at that stage. We were just trying to make things work and things weren't working. And um, so we just took our time. Eamon didn't come near us. The management team didn't come near us. They stayed outside for a good seven minutes, I'd say. And when we were inside anyway, we were all just told to calm down. Juliet was outside doing commentary at that stage. You know, she wasn't on our team. Um, she would have always been such a leveler um, kind of to bring everyone back down to earth but I suppose we have all learned so so much from her and from Nullig and from Valerie and from Elaine Hart um, about that we were the ones to, to grind ourselves out of this so Angela would have been involved with the Camogie team two weeks previous to that I'm almost certain the Camogie team got beaten anyway um, so Breege was involved, Rena was involved, Angela was involved Angela just stood up and and spoke and she basically just said like we were in the exact same position two weeks ago with Camogie and it was all down to us that look everything was in our power and that like a lot could happen in a half an hour and that we had a full half an hour to redeem ourselves even if we didn't win to put in a performance and to show you know that we're not a bad team and we didn't become a bad team overnight but to perform to our best so get back to the basics there was nothing elaborate there was no roaring there was no screaming Eamon came in and asked had we had our chat and he was like right just out you go and perform and just do the simple things right and if you do the simple things right and make an intelligent decision when you have that split second that things will start coming good and things did start coming good. Rona Buckley is probably one of the most talented footballers. She'd put a goal through the hairpin, like feel like she's just unbelievable. And she came on 
and already like she was just buzzing on the sideline like you could just see her she was just wanted to get in and wanted to do her bit uh Emer Scally was brought on um Rowan a sunk goal uh Emer Scally another unbelievable talent and for but her she was young only age, a pup at that she time was, she? She was and for someone so young to have such maturity and to have such confidence I think is a big thing like for her to take it on and say I'm going to bury this goal you know when you watch it back she snuck it through like I don't even know how she got it in like and when Rona I think it was Rona's goal when I saw Rona's goal going in and actually just before that Lindsay Peet had stuck a second goal whoever was marking her that day I don't know who was marking <laughs> Um, I don't know they were crap anyway but I thought um, it was a six woman job to uh, mark the marking forwards <laughs> she's they needed about seven or eight of us anyway lads and the forwards we were just having a mayor all together but um, so Lindsay stuck another goal anyway um, just for the crack then I suppose there wasn't there wasn't that her heads dropped but like when she sunk the second goal there was just a bit of a pang in your heart like a small little bit going oh my god is this it and then to see Rona come on and for Rona to kick that goal and it just lifted everyone's spirits. And like when she kicked that goal, I was like, we're going to get this. We're going to win it back. And then for Emer to do her job and for everyone. I think at one stage, Angela and myself and Dee Riley were up in the forwards at one stage. Like everyone was just driving, driving, driving. I think he all touched the ball on the way to Geraldine up yeah. and getting it out in the left it wing was to sink the winner. unbelievable. And for Geraldine, like I suppose that day, poor Ger had kicked a few very uncharacteristic wides. Um, like she was just our go-to. And when things weren't going right in the first half, for her to kick those type of points uh, in the second half, I think she kicked three on the day for the most important point she ever probably kicked in her life to go over the bar um, under pressure clock against us and for her to kick that jeez I like I was saying to you earlier like you know I know I got married and everything last year but that was probably the best day of my life like it was just <laughs> unreal like no offence and like god we had an amazing wedding day but my god that feeling when the whistle went I will never forget it as long as I live I like we couldn't even cry we were so ecstatic like oh my god it was the best feeling I think I've ever ever had in my whole life hopefully uh, Carhock is in this yeah this. hey, hey hon <laughs> <laughs> oh no you know what I mean they're very separate emotions but like any sports person when that that final whistle goes and you're on the winning side with your best friends you know we've had um family losses and family arrivals and everything like that and everything just means so much when that whistle goes we're gonna fast forward to 2015 and you decided to bring brendan martin to uh, cork again that year you decided yeah. to keep him for a second five in the row you had the perfect 10 and that was eamon ryan's swan song year as well yes I hear you made certain to send him off into the sunset with a sing song as well. Yeah, Eamon just beyond adored sing songs. Um, what he loved more than anything was everyone just sitting around together, and it didn't matter what age you were or what song you brought to the table. It was a great way to bond, and like I suppose that went back to two thousand and five when we won our first All Ireland. Um, that year we um decided to go on a team holiday. But it was a team training holiday. So it was just, we got onto local businesses and we went to Lanzarote for six days. Five days of that were pure training. And then one day we were allowed, you know, have a bit of fun. I think that bonding session, that's literally all you could call it. We trained like absolute dogs. We didn't have any nice, lovely field to be training on. At one stage we were doing four tree track runs on the beach and it was a soft sand. I'll never forget it. Our calves were like absolute rocks after it. But I think all of those little things that Eamon organised and Mary organised, I think all of those things led to building such character in that team and to get on with things, even if things go wrong or even if you didn't have a field to train on, get on with it. And um, 
on that holiday that's kind of when the sing songs really started and every evening we used to meet and have sing songs and and our dinner and there was no drink involved it was just pure crack and just great friendships and it was just a lovely way then to finish everything off with Eamon um, he brought us downstairs um, in the banquet hall where we all were and not one person batted an eyelid about leaving the music or leaving the dance floor um, every person went downstairs and I'd say I don't know the room was filled with people anyway and it was all of us just singing songs and Eamon was the last one to sing a song so it was lovely What's your party piece Bree? Do you strike me as a Caledonia <laughs> kind of girl? <laughs> Caledonia got murdered a good, good shot at times alright um, good old Crocodile Rock um, kind of comes out every now and again <laughs> Yeah, that's a curveball It is a bit of a curveball but yeah you got to mix up the old genres every now and again but yeah so Crocodile Rock got, got notions and uh, there oh geez, there were some great great songs like yeah and the momentum carried on again in, into 2016. Aoife Fitzgerald yeah. came in and, and took over at the helm. Was it a difficult period of transition or were the, the right structures in place that you could kind of just pick up and go again? Or I suppose to have Eamon involved with us for such a long period of time, you change as a person, I suppose, when you're around someone with that length of time. Um, you really learn what is n- vital and necessary to be successful. And I think because there was so many of us... Um, involved in 2016 that had been part of Eamon's team I think that was just imperative for us to to introduce that to new girls that came on and um, like there was a lot of girls say that may not have made the breakthrough um, during Eamon's time but um, had been part of the panel who now were starting and knew kind of I suppose what it took the previous years um, to get onto that team and to play and to win all Ireland's and thankfully everything merged together so well there was still great talent there but as I said still great friendships there and in the 2016 uh, All-Ireland against Dublin, you were another one-point win in spite of looking yeah. doomed in the first half. But yeah. at the first half, in the dressing room, what turned it around for you? You didn't have Eamon there, you had Efi. Yeah. So what was was it different? What was the magic sauce? Well, to be fair to Efi again, he, I suppose, realised that there were still a lot of girls who had um, played a lot of football um, on that team. Um, you know, in fairness to him, he allowed us our time as well in the dressing room before he came in. And on that day, Breege was the person who stood up. And I suppose I was just so fortunate to have played with such fantastic leaders and friends over the last couple of years. And it just meant somebody else took up the mantle. And Breege was the one who, not that she preempted anything like that happening, but she had two pictures in her bag just in case and those two pictures was uh, one of an elated Martino O'Brien and one was of a completely dejected Juliet Murphy after the 2010 All-Ireland quarterfinal and she basically stuck the two pictures up on the wall um, said her little bit and just said which person do you want to be which which ending do you want Efi came in and said his bit and then we went out and Thankfully turned it around. But I suppose on that day, it's probably, you know, Dublin didn't convert all their chances either. There's obviously uh, always a bit of luck, I think, involved on All-Ireland Final Day as well. And, you know, us having won maybe four or five of them by the minimum, you know, just goes to show that it is probably a bit of a game of inches on that day and a bit of luck. um, Probably we got a bit more of the rub the green maybe on in the second half. Um, But thankfully, look, we'll take it. The happy times continued on later into 2016 when you yeah. were you won your seventh All Star, yeah. But also the Players' Player of the Year accolade that night in in yeah. City West. That was a good one. 
To be honest, I wasn't expecting that at all. I was up against Breach Cockery, who I've, you know, been playing against since I was 14. And the woman does not have an off button. Like, she is just unbelievable. And she has dug us out of, I don't know how many matches over the last couple of years. So to be pitted kind of against her, I was just like, this is a non-runner completely. And then for Sinead Ahern to have had such an amazing year. And like, Sinead is one of these players who has been consistently good for Dublin. Like, not just that year, but so many years. And even like, you know, this year, I think, proved just how important a player she is for Dublin it, you know she's just coolness personified to be pitted against the two of them I'm sure I was sitting down I wasn't in any rush anyway because I was like there's there's no hope you know so I was just I suppose I was very honoured um, very very grateful for people who, who voted for me but as I said you know as in previous years everything that we did with the Cork team was a team effort Um, so it was never individual it was always you know the team ethos always so last year, 2017, it must have been really frustrating for you because you pulled out injured in warm-ups of both the league final against Regal and the All-Ireland quarter-final against Galway. How's the yeah. hamstring holding up? Um, so yeah, I tore my hamstring three times last year at really, I suppose, important parts um, of the year. Um, just had such a frustrating year. And I think after the highs of 2016, I was very disappointed that, you know, the way the year went as it did. Um, I suppose I missed a lot of my good friends as well. Just probably found last year a bit tougher and not as enjoyable. Sure, look, that's the way sport goes. You kind of have to accept the highs as well as the lows. And thankfully, I've had a, a lot of highs. And sport is a, a game of swings around events. Along is, came the All Ireland yeah. semi final and a resurgent Mayo side, exactly, becoming yeah. only the second team in 12 years to crack the elusive Cork Championship yeah. code. It just goes to show, like, you know, the cycles that ladies' football goes under. Um, we started off massive rivalries against Mayo, and so, like, it's it's brilliant. And for Mayo to be that consistent throughout a massive, like, 12-year reign is is unbelievable and fair play to them. And I suppose, like, you know, I, I suppose I might find it a bit easier than others coming back on the back of success. For those girls on that Mayo team, they have come back year on year on year and having not had a taste of success t- since 2000, like, the early 2000s, that just shows the character and the calibre of people that they are, let alone sports people. I suppose on that semi-final day, they were so hungry and they worked so hard for each other and you couldn't begrudge them. They were the worthy winners on the day. And on the day of the final between Dublin and Mayo this year, we met you in Croke Park. Yeah. Uh, you were in the media box. Yeah. How were you coping on the day? Um, do you know what? It was a lovely distraction um, because I think if I was at home, I probably would have been um, watching too much going, oh God, like, you know, we could have been there if only this had happened, if only that had happened. But when um, Jackie Hurley got on to me just to come in and help them out with um, a small bit of kind of the halftime stuff, I was delighted to be honest because it was a welcome distraction and it was nice to see it from that point of view as well and I couldn't really complain it was brilliant to see two teams that have been so committed and have raised the bar of ladies football so much going at it it was a great day to be honest good stuff well we could literally talk to you about football <laughs> for hours breach but we'd like to ask you about a uh, kind of pastures new as well last year you kicked off a new business and um, my core supplements tell yeah. us about this venture how did it come about yeah, about a year and a half ago, I suppose we looked into it, obviously saw it was going to be an awful lot of hard work, but there's four of us involved in it. And I suppose it was all hands on deck, kind of really, we would all be extremely health conscious, I suppose, in the last couple of years, probably just being a bit older, I would have looked after myself a lot more. Um, Like I would have a very good diet, but I suppose, you know, things, uh, times are getting very, very busy. And I suppose I just felt that I needed uh, things to kind of supplement me a small little bit. The three boys would be um, extremely health conscious, very fit and would have kind of would be extremely well informed about all of this sideline kind of stuff. 
and then our families would be extremely healthy as well um so it's not just supplements it's health foods also so like my own parents would take lechitin for cholesterol and um they would take uh, cod liver oil and it has to be off the spoon because you know that's <laughs> how they got it so like you know just little things like that um it's been an awful lot of hard work but we're extremely proud of it and thankfully look it's gone it's gone very well so far we're thrilled to bits with it and sure look if it doesn't work out we'll be eating protein for breakfast lunch and I dinner really, but <laughs> i really enjoy your uh, your instagram feed there's yeah. tons of like fun facts and information the one i was reading yesterday was about caffeine and how can is it good for you or bad for you and i i drink so much coffee that i'm always like yeah. oh god should i be at this or should i not <laughs> but i really enjoy that i stuff. know and yeah. you, you were really very kind and you brought us up some treats which i'm <laughs> super excited about trying um listen you wouldn't be in the fair game hot seat if we didn't end with a couple of quick fire rapid round wrap-up questions okay. so first one is this ready the Cork player who has pushed you the hardest in training. Oh dear God, sure. As I said, I've just been so fortunate um to play with so so many. Um but I suppose I'm a defender and from my defender's point of view, like Angela and Deirdre Riley would have just been the two that constantly, constantly push me. They're the two that would have constantly always had my back. Um probably those two. From a forwards point of view, um, I suppose Val would have been very elusive always at training and you think you have her, you think you have her pushed out or whatever and she'll just make an f- absolute fool of you like and... It's the white yeah. boots. And you think you have her and you, like, you think she's all left lads, she's not. She's like, she'll kick off the right too. Um, so Val would have been always very good. Like you, as I said, you could pick anyone like, you know, um, Narita Kelly would have just been an absolute um, unbelievable player for, for our club and I think she didn't get half the recognition probably as well with Cork. Um, she was just such um, such a workhorse. I could I could literally go on like there are so right. many girls, but probably from a backs point of view, Deirdre and um, Angela would have been the two that would have always pushed me. That's a great uh, quick fire answer there. Yeah, Bruce. sorry, quick <laughs> is it? Oh, sorry, did you not say long winded? Sorry, sorry. And what about the toughest opposition player you've marked throughout the years? Okay, I'll just keep this short and sweet. Uh, Cora Staunton. Um, we started off. Um, Angela was always marking her, and um, I suppose I took over. Then Cora would have played out centre back, and then um, as I got older, I was in full back. Um, but she's she's just one of those players. She's just got it all, and it's brilliant to see her doing so well in another code as well. Um, just shows the the type of person she is and the type of player she is that she can translate that to another code and you know wish her so much success but definitely her she's just class okay and final one the one player you would bring into a red gansey if there was an lgfa transfer market um oh my god okay um i don't know this literally literally you could pick there's so so many to pick from um i suppose if i was looking at mayo i think they're probably their most industrial player would be um fiona McHale. i just think she is just the biggest workhorse non-stop up and down the field so maybe um from mayo her this uh, I'm, i could literally go through all the counties i like, was just thinking yeah. that yeah. Start I was with like, mayo, mayo, then dublin um <laughs> and then look probably dublin um i suppose look sinead ahern i've had loads of battles with sinead as well throughout the years and she's just coolness personified and for her to step up as much as she did this year and to get Dublin over the line when it basically nearly um you know I suppose at the at the in the first half it came down to her having to make sure she kicked everything and for her to convert to everything just shows the, the caliber player she is I'm really glad you didn't pick me there because it would have been and Elaine it would have been kind of embarrassing <laughs> but um <laughs> Bree, uh absolutely brilliant chatting to you we've just been so delighted to, to have you on on the podcast and thanks for coming all the way up to the capital to join us no in the fair bother. game hot seat. Go mad, no shopping lads oh, yeah, we're, we're going to bring you for some coddle it's going to be great <laughs>
Breed's a great woman for the social media, so make sure you're following her on Twitter at Breed Stacky and Instagram at Stacky6. We mentioned her new health venture earlier on, so just a reminder to get behind it if you're that way inclined. MyCourseSupplements.ie is the website, and you can also give them a follow on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook too. Follow us on Twitter too at Fair Game Cast. There's so much top-notch action involving Irish sportswomen to look forward to in the coming months. That's where we provide you with all the necessary info to keep you in the loop and hopefully get you out onto those sidelines. And a final reminder to subscribe to the podcast too on whatever app you're listening to us on, be it iTunes, Android, Stitcher or Spotify. That way you'll get the next episode delivered direct to your device. That's all for this episode. We'll chat to you again next month. This podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Find all your favorite movies and shows faster with Xfinity. Just speak into the Xbox Voice Remote to search across live TV, on demand, even Netflix and Prime Video. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Go to Xfinity.com, call 1-800-XFINITY or visit a store today. Restrictions apply.